0: Hello, this is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to Radio Maine, Episode 2. Today we're speaking with artist Missy Dunaway. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Missy, when did you first know that you wanted to be an artist?
1: I, um, I think it was always obvious from the very start. I had... Uh, always a natural interest in art. And my parents were um, very kind and nurturing in getting me into uh, art lessons from the very beginning. So I I always remember having extracurricular art lessons um, with professional artists outside of school. And there was one teacher in particular uh, in Monterey, California, where um, my we were in a military family. So my dad was stationed there for about three years. Uh, and his name is Dante Rondo, uh, is still a practicing artist, and he's the first person who really encouraged me to take it seriously, to, um, you know, describe myself as an artist, to say that I was an artist. Uh, I think when a lot of people are first starting their art journey, will say, I'm just learning, I'm just a student, but... Uh, he used to tell me, even at the age of six or seven, um, say you're an artist, you're already an artist, and that helped me to take it seriously, so I'd say ar- around then I knew that that's what I wanted to do.
0: That's a really interesting approach, because I know that something similar goes on with writers, where, you know, you, um, you're you writing, you're writing, you're writing, but when do you get to call yourself an actual writer? You know, is it when you're published? Is it when somebody has bought your work? But if you actually are kind of acting as if, as if you already are an artist, then you can, um, it kind of repatterns your brain in a way.
1: I agree. I think, um, you deserve, or you earn the title when you are going through the, the actions. So when I'm painting, obviously I'm a painter and, uh, I don't think that it's a, um, a title that someone has to hand you. It just comes through the actions of doing it that, that, uh, if you're writing, you're a writer, if you're painting, you're a painter.
0: I didn't realize that you came from a military family.
1: Right. My dad actually uh, retired when I was in the fifth grade. So we were moving up until uh, I was in the fourth grade and then we were stationed in Annapolis and my dad was teaching at the Naval Academy. Um, He's a graduate from the Naval Academy and he's a captain in the Navy. Uh, And then after that started working in in D.C. like a lot of people from Annapolis. So we uh, we settled in Annapolis. So for the most part, I was raised there
0: well it's interesting to hear that because in our family we have we have navy we have air force we have marines and i worked for the va for a little while as a doctor and it's a really different mindset isn't it
1: it is it's um you know it it definitely is its own world and it's very contained because um you know wherever you go uh wherever you're stationed you have that military social network but then you also have Uh, the commissary where you get your groceries and they have their own movie theaters and, and vet offices, um, like veterinary offices for your pets, just everything you need is sort of contained in that little world. So when my dad retired, um, I think we finally got to enjoy civilian life. And it was so different. And I liked it a lot. Um, But every man in my family, even those who have married in are military, except for my husband, Joe.
0: Do you think that traveling around when you were younger um, fed into this interest that you have developed in continuing to travel as an artist now?
1: Absolutely. I definitely credit my wanderlust to traveling when I was uh, little, and I think we stopped traveling at a very good time for me because I was just entering middle school where you know, the social clicks start to form and you're going through the awkward stage and being a new kid in school can be extra difficult. And so I sort of had the benefit of moving as a very small child, um, and having those memories that have now been greatly romanticized with time. Um, but then luckily once I hit the awkward teenage years, I was in one place and could find a, find my own way and, and make some friends and not have to worry about moving every two years.
0: The things that you've seen as you've traveled have really informed your art.
1: They have, I really like looking outside of myself for inspiration. I, um, especially when I was in art school, there was this real drive to, uh, for the artist to communicate your vision um you know your thoughts or concepts or opinions about things and uh, i actually had an interdisciplinary degree so while i was studying painting i was also studying art history um, material and visual culture and so those two uh, passions really blended together and i really liked using my art not to talk about myself but rather um, use it as a learning tool to explore new interest. So, um, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, the contents of your own mind are limited, um, but the world is just so full of new things to explore and uh, and learn about with your art. So why not just look outward?
0: You have uh, some of your work behind you and it's it's really interesting when a lot of us think about art we think about maybe landscapes or watercolor and yours is very unique in its style. Tell me about it.
1: Uh, So this was from a a limited series that I created between um, about 2012 to 2015. But um, from 2013 to 2014, I was a a Fulbright fellow in Turkey studying Anatolian textiles. And um, I first discovered the interest in in, um, in textiles from my parents because uh, my parents collect uh, carpets from an array of Middle Eastern countries. And once I got a little bit older, I realized that we had these beautiful works of art um, just enriching my childhood landscape. And I didn't know anything about them, who made them, where they came from, what do these uh, designs mean? So I started researching the origins of the designs of the carpets in my childhood home um and started painting about them because I for me painting is is just a way to to learn about it you know how if you want to understand a clock you take it apart and put it back together yourself and for me as a painter to paint something I understand its structure and form and a little bit about how it was made more deeply and uh I was showing these paintings to a friend of mine who had just finished a Fulbright in Morocco and she said this feels like a, a Fulbright project you should look into it Um, And so I started uh, focusing on Turkish carpets in particular because they were my favorite ones. And um, when I was reading about uh, uh, the earliest Anatolian carpets, they were found in the um, Aladdin Mosque of Konya in, I think, 1904. And these carpets came from the 11th and 12th centuries with the Seljuk uh, Empire, uh, which its capital was Konya. And um, when they were discovered, the, um, the there was paintings commissioned of them as a way to document them, um, in addition to... Or I guess it might have been just before they were started using photography so much for preservation. So when I'd heard about paintings being commissioned of these uh, really old carpets, I just felt connected to that story, because that's what I had been doing, um, you know, to document the, the carpets of my childhood home. Um, so I... Uh, devised this project to, um, create paintings that were hypothetical depictions of lost carpets from that t- uh, time period. Cause they're very rare. There's only about 18, I think that exist. Um, and so that's what I originally went to Turkey for, but when I was there, uh, I really wanted to, um, inform my work by learning how to weave i thought that was very important so i was learning turkish at the time and jumped into some weaving classes uh, by this master weaver in istanbul uh, musa basaran who was so kind to give me complimentary lessons Um, and then i became more interested in village weaving practices uh, and how how women weavers can incorporate their own um, creative vision and uh, expression into designs Um, again there's always that division between craft and art and Uh, textiles, I would firmly put in the art category, because there is so much personal expression um, communicated in those designs. It's not just a utilitarian um, decorative object.
0: For you, the story is also very important. And in fact, you have a book coming out, I think, fairly soon. Is that not true?
1: Yes. Uh, So during my Fulbright Fellowship, I was... um, I I was doing all these paintings that were realizing my my research uh my research findings and they were very academic in their focus and um but I was also going through this really exciting personal journey because I was traveling abroad uh and living alone for the first time actually and um just experiencing this whole new new place and it was an exciting time in my life and I needed some place to express that personal journey so i started painting in my moleskin sketchbook um, landscapes and cityscapes and portraits that just documented my daily life it was very much a, a visual journal or a visual diary and uh keeping a visual diary became um a real passion of mine. It's now my longest running project. And after my Fulbright concluded, I scheduled consecutive artist-in-residence programs so that I could keep traveling around the world, staying in each location for a couple months at a time. And my journal documented the journey along the way. Um, and it's now getting published. So it's a, a visual travelogue uh, of eighty paintings, eighty of the my favorite paintings from the pages.
0: It seems as though you've. Um simultaneously kind of launched and then uh remained fairly grounded with your connection to maine you you go away you do work and then you come back and you're connected with the portland art gallery why has it been so important for you to maintain this um, groundedness with and this connection with the state of maine
1: so i i moved to maine just five years ago and i had never been here before and uh, when i was traveling um i do an art residency and then maybe i would just crash with a friend or a boyfriend or my parents for a couple months and then head back out again for another residency and i got to the point where i was getting really tired of of uh, um, staying with other people and i wanted my own landing pad and before going abroad um, the last permanent residence i had was in new york city and it was way too expensive i could never possibly leave for a couple months at a time and maintain an apartment there so um, i thought well what's a a smaller city that has natural beauty that's inspiring to me as an artist um, with a really nice you know standard of living where maybe i could i could afford to have my own apartment that i could leave for a couple months at a time Um, and i I just thought, oh, Portland, Maine. I've never been there before. And the more I read about it online, it seemed like a great fit. And I came up to visit for a weekend. And um, yeah, so uh, it, it was a total love connection when I came here the first time. And so I just packed my car, drove up, checked into a hotel, hopped onto Craigslist, um, found a job within a couple days as a receptionist at Satori Hair Salon, and then um, found an apartment like a couple days later and that was it it's been it's it was a good decision it's exactly what i wanted it to be just a really solid landing pad that's uh, beautiful and a really nice community and enriches my art um, even when i'm not traveling when i'm at home
0: you've also had the opportunity to continue working um, not only as an artist with the portland art gallery but um, with other artists at the portland art gallery and be part of the, um, the process of bringing art into people's homes who, who visit the Portland Art Gallery. Um, how has that changed your perception of of being an artist, uh, sort of someone who practices or craft, but also someone who is aware that in order to have art be a livelihood, that, that you have to have an awareness of the business side of things?
1: You know, I thought working at an art gallery, I had I had shown in galleries before, but I'd always been on that side of the, of the table. I was always the artist, never the person working at the gallery, interacting with clients. Um, and working in a gallery has been so good for my art practice and really, um, heartening for watching the, the acquisition process from start to finish, because when I first I guess before I was working at the gallery, I really assumed that a lot of people purchase artwork um, because of the investment quality. And, uh, you know, I had read all these books about the curious economics of contemporary art in in my uh, art school in college. We talked a lot about that. And um, I, you know, it's it's almost a cynical way or cynical reason to acquire art just just in the hopes that it'll make you money in the future. but for some reason, that's, I guess those are the conversations that I had had up until that point that I thought that that's really why a lot of people do it. Um, and so when I first started working at the gallery, there was quite a few times that someone was looking at a piece and I'd say, oh, this artist is a great uh, investment. They've been, you know, acquired by these institutions and they've won these awards. And I had one person just flat out say, I don't buy art for that reason. I'm not interested. And I, from that moment, I really, I noticed that people didn't respond when I would mention that kind of stuff and I ended up s- stopping talking that way um, because people who come to the Portland Art Gallery are just looking for that soulmate connection with the painting and they buy art because they love it and they want to live around it they have no intention of selling it they you know they want it for themselves to to love and enjoy and it was it was the best possible thing to see as an artist because that's the hope like that's why I want someone to acquire my artwork. Um, And uh, yeah, so it's been a really nice experience and um, sort of restored a lot of my my faith in um, the business side of art.
0: I have a piece um, in the studio with me and it's obviously of Paris with the the Eiffel Tower, so beautiful with all the different streets, um, everything lit up and then the dark blue. Tell me about the experience of visiting Paris, this sort of iconic city um, that's so well-known across the the globe, and trying to capture it um, using your art.
1: I was lucky in that I got to stay in Paris for uh, four months, three months consecutively, and then I went away uh, to an art residency in Morocco. Um, And so then by the time I went back, my Schengen visa had restarted. So I got to stay another month. And um, I think a lot of people, a a lot of the expats I met who lived in Paris for a long time, when you stay anywhere for a long time, um, you get to see the good and the bad. You enjoy the beauty of the city streets and the food and the language, but then you also have to deal with paperwork and visas. And uh, it can be incredibly frustrating. And luckily I didn't have to uh, experience any of that. So My time in paris was very much a honeymoon period um so i think i i really got to view the 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 best the best parts of it it was a really beautiful uh, time and um i have to say i guess that that scene behind you with the view from an airplane when you're either departing or arriving in a city is always such a special moment because you have that rush of um you know arriving i've made it and looking out into all of those um little lights and wondering you know who lives there and what's going on and seeing the flow of traffic um you really get that sense of how a city is a a live organism um you know with its own personality and and heritage and and um history paris especially it's so old of course and Uh, So yeah, I think that that view from an airplane when you get to see the city um, as one entity is always a very uh, special and magical sight.
0: You were supposed to go to Kenya last summer, and obviously there were travel restrictions in place um, due to the coronavirus. Um, What has this meant to you as someone who seems to have this ongoing wanderlust to be grounded for a more significant period of time than perhaps you might have chosen.
1: One of the reasons why, uh, another reason why I decided to move to Maine and put down some roots and start staying in one place is so that I could start working bigger. Um, For the longest time, I'd been living out of a suitcase. And so painting in a sketchbook and keeping the travel journal was one of my only options. Um, the paper paintings behind me, I could roll up so that that was doable, but even still quite cumbersome and difficult. Um, And uh, so I have to say this past year of being cooped up indoors um, has been really good for my art because I finally got to invest all my time and attention into creating larger pieces. And, um, you know, art can really take you back mentally to that that place like it's it's a great it's a great time to just reminisce um and return to your favorite memories uh, because you have to recreate it line by line plane by plane um so you end up spending an hour or hours in a location as you recreate it and paint um so in my imagination and through my art I was still traveling um and uh so it was it was still a very fulfilling fulfilling year and I think um you know, even at a time like right now, my priorities are shifting a little bit. I just got married. I, I love my job here. I love Maine. I'm working bigger. Um, I'm getting to be more and more content with having more of a, um, stationary lifestyle, but that interior, uh, wanderlust and spirit is always with you. And it manifests in different ways. You don't physically have to be on the move. Even through your imagination, you might still be traveling. Um, And I think a lot of people who are travelers, even if they had one period of their life where they were traveling a lot um, later, decades later, will still consider themselves to be travelers for that reason. It's always with you.
0: You also mentioned to me that you had acquired some chickens as part of a pandemic (laughs) kind of project. Uh, what caused you to go in that direction?
1: Uh, So I always wanted ducks. I've, I've. I love ducks. I think they're so cute and funny and friendly. And, um, our neighbors across the street, were going to get chickens. And so it was the sort of joke, they'll get chickens and we'll get ducks and we'll trade eggs. And, um, but when they got their flock of chickens, they had one that was the runt of the litter and all the other ones were picking on it. And if anyone listening or you Lisa, if you're familiar with chickens, if there's one weak link in the flock, they will try to eliminate it permanently. Um, and that little chicken was also the the favorite of the family. They have two little kids and they loved carrot, the, the chicken. They didn't want to give up carrot. So my husband, Joe, and I offered to adopt carrot so that she would just be across the street and they could come over and visit anytime. And it's still their chicken. Um, but then when we did adopt carrot, we realized that you have to have a flock. You can't have just one. And, um, Yeah, so then we had to get two more, and now we have three, and um, I still want ducks, so it looks like this is going to get out of hand very soon, very soon. Um, But they've been very entertaining, and I know more about chickens than I ever wanted to know, but they are very uh, entertaining, like I said, so it's been fun.
0: You have a cat named Thomas, is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, so how does Thomas the cat feel about Carrot the chicken and Carrot the chicken's, um, colleagues?
1: <laughs> they, um, yeah, Thomas, so he's obsessed with, with our, our, um, backyard songbirds that flit around the house. And so we were really nervous about chickens. He's an indoor cat, so they never really had to meet, but we were kind of curious. And one time we did bring Carrot into, the, into the house And um, Thomas just sort of looked at him and walked away, was totally bored, not interested at all. Um, So, yeah, it was, uh, or Thomas, yeah, was disinterested, if I said carrot.
0: So everybody's living kind of a peaceful coexistence, if that's what I'm hearing.
1: Yes, for the most part, until a raccoon or a fox, you know, causes trouble. Oh, yes. For the time being, things are very peaceful. Let's hope it stays that way.
0: We've recently um, seen an an uptick in interest in the gallery. People just seem to have a pent-up need to be present in a space. Um, Obviously, the Portland Art Gallery has done a lot of work with uh, virtual openings and with online sales and reaching out to people really around the world. But now people are, they're back. They really want something beautiful in their homes. Tell me about some of the things people are sharing with you as they've come into the gallery to look at art in person
1: now. It's been an exciting time because I think um, a lot of people, uh, if maybe they had to cancel vacations this year and they had that saved money, um, were able to acquire art for the first time. So I've met a lot of first time art buyers, um, which is always a really exciting step. And I think people are also realizing how important a beautiful space is um, or just just a comforting space that's inspiring. Um, And having real, uh, you know, original art on the walls makes a really big difference. And um, yeah, just like what I had said before about investment versus love, why does somebody buy art? I definitely hear people, uh, you know, they just want to be around something that inspires them, that they love, that improves their day uh, that, re- uh, helps them return to a, a different place. Um, you know, I know a lot of people love to buy, uh, landscapes of, of Maine, um, cause it reminds them of their favorite places and just, you know, being able to mentally travel to, to a cherished location.
0: Was there anything different about the approach you took to this month's virtual opening, um, as one of the presented artists, um, in contrast to past openings that were in person
1: you know i actually i think i approached it in the same way which is nice um it i i was really also focused on just the physical presentation of the work how it would look in the space um the portland art gallery has been so um sophisticated in in how they film and present their location and their space, that um, even if it's through a screen, it very much is like you can visit and walk around at your own pace uh, and see the interiors. So it's so effective and convincing that um, other than mingling with people face to face uh, at at an opening reception, I thought the, the exhibition experience um, is quite true to the usual, so, um, which is nice. I feel like so many things this year has been different, um, but having a show, getting it framed, installing it, inspecting the space, uh, making sure the flow of the artwork um, from one piece to the next makes sense, that was the same, and it was very, uh, it, it was nice to have that.
0: Have you received any feedback from your fellow artists about what it is felt like to have a virtual versus an in-person opening in the space at the Portland Art Gallery?
1: People have all been very, very positive. Um, the other artists at Portland Art Gallery, i uh, they, they're just the nicest group of people and so in- inspiring and I do think at the very height of lockdown when things were closed and that temporary time when we had to close the gallery doors, um, at least just physically uh, online, we were always present. Um, But I really missed talking to all the artists and seeing their work um, because it is food for for my soul as an artist. And um, I, yeah, another thing, I guess that (laughs) my first impression of working at an art gallery when I was first brought on, for some reason I had it in my mind that artists can have big egos and that it was going to be, um, you know, that I might clash personalities with people, but I don't know if it's because they're all main based or maybe that's, that's a really outdated or um, untrue uh, uh, stereotype of artists, but there are no big egos at Portland art gallery. All the artists are so supportive um, so nice, so down to earth and grounded. Um, yeah, they've been, I I never feel that sense of competition. Everyone's very supportive. So yeah, feedback has been very positive and, Um, It's hard to put yourself out there with work, uh, you know, online on Instagram or your website. You have to put yourself out there every day, but then also to get all the work together and put it out into a physical space. It takes a lot of guts and it's easier when you have a nice community uh, like we have at Portland Art Gallery.
0: Missy, tell me about the painting that is in the studio behind me.
1: In addition to the large paintings that are in my favorite uh, pages from my travel journal um, that I've expanded to a large scale, I also have a couple of the greatest hits from uh, previous projects, including some of the final paintings from my textile project um, that I did in Turkey uh, from 2013 to 2014. And that's a limited series because it was a research project that I was conducting on site when I could be advised by weavers and I was learning Turkish. Um and so I really want to keep that project um true to what it was all about and uh when I was there um able to uh research carpets um in Turkey advised by Turkish weavers and um so there's only a few paintings left from that series, some are very small like the one behind you, and 15% of sales from that series are given back to women weavers um, through Turkish philanthropy funds. Uh a company I've been working with for, or a nonprofit I've been working with for a few years now, and uh, it's very important to me that the artists who inspire me um, are acknowledged and compensated for their contribution to my project. And um, in addition to the the textile project, the final paintings from that series, I also have a small collection of paintings of fishing flies that I created in Montana um, as an artist in residence um, at the Taff Nicholson Center, learning how to tie flies. So, um, yeah, the the projects um, on display are those two, and then, of course, the the main um, the main feature of the show, the large paintings um, of pages from my travel journal.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation with me about your art today, Missy. And thank you for being an artist at the Portland Art Gallery. For those who are interested, you can see Missy's work on display in this month's virtual art opening at the Portland Art Gallery, portlandartgallery.com. This is Dr. Lisa Belisle and you have been listening to the second episode of Radio Maine. Join us again as we continue to have fascinating conversations with interesting people from around the state of Maine.
1: Thank you very much for having me. This has been a delight.